Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavage, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow Day Beautiful on all social media at Day Beautiful. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Well, it's the end of the year, and before I introduce 2021's final guest, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has supported Day Beautiful throughout the three years that we've been going. Uh, Day Beautiful published less this year, published less interviews on the internet, uh, I mean our website, and published less interviews on the podcast. Um, but we have grown in readership and listeners um, by over 10%, even though we put out almost less than half of the content. So thank you for supporting us. Thank you for sharing. It really means a lot when I see it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you share Day Beautiful. It really means a lot. Please tag us. I love seeing it out there. I want to give a huge thank you to everyone who purchased a Day Beautiful t-shirt and especially to the anonymous donor who bought a t-shirt for her mother and then donated money just to say, hey, keep Day Beautiful going. Uh, And it really helped with the podcast uh, technical side of things. So thank you, thank you, thank you. A huge thank you to Lady Day Beautiful, who has always supported Day Beautiful and who has let me um, do podcasts in our apartment um, and ask her to keep our dog and cat quiet um, throughout recording. Uh, Thank you to Emmy from Changing Hands Bookstore. She was a huge uh, influence at the beginning of Day Beautiful, really helped me figure out what Day Beautiful was going to be. A huge thank you to Kathy from Tattered Cover Bookstore, who is currently helping me figure out where the debuts are, like what's out there. It's been a really helpful. So I want to thank those three ladies in my life. Currently, uh, you have kept Day Beautiful pushing. Um, Thank you so much. Let's get to it. This is the last podcast of 2021. Uh, Today's guest has had her work published in McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, The Rumpus, and elsewhere. She serves as the managing editor of Apogee Journal. Her debut novel came out earlier this year. It's called The Four Humors. Her name is Mina Sechkin. Hey, Mina. How are you doing today? I'm not doing bad, you know, just another another day in the cycle of COVID beginning again, but not yes. bad. <laughs> yes, beginning again. Uh, I'm actually on my way to Tennessee this weekend where uh, Lady Day Beautiful, as I call her on the internet, uh, where my girlfriend's parents live. And the last time we went was at the beginning of COVID when uh, her dad had a COVID scare. So it's like full cycle, yet nothing's wow. over yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it really, it really hasn't ended yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's just wild. Um, but I'm glad you're happy and healthy. Your book, uh, The Four Humors, has been out for a while. This is exciting because normally I talk to writers like either before or like the week of their pub date. Um, how's it been since the book came out? Um, it's been really great. It's been it's been so wonderful. I I feel like I don't know when I'm ever going to get over this feeling of gratefulness that it's out in the world and that people can read it. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been surreal seeing it in bookstores. Um, having readers, especially Turkish American readers reach out to me has been making me really feel happy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Before we go further, I guess we should have you tell readers what the book's about for those who don't know. I mean, you mentioned Turkish Americans. That's part of the book story. Uh, What's the four humors all about? Yeah. So um, it's about a Turkish American girl who becomes obsessed with the four humors theory of medicine 
um, to and begins to use it to diagnose her chronic headache. Um, so she really believes she has a excess of black bile in her body, which is causing her chronic headaches and her grief over her dad dying. Um, and she goes to Istanbul to stay with her grandma. Um, and she's supposed to be doing a host of things, including studying to become a doctor. Instead, she stumbles upon family secrets, watches soap operas, and begins to confront herself. Yeah. Yeah, I loved the book um, so much. And first, I want to, before I go further, I want to shout out the book designer because it's what like my favorite book cover of the year. There's like a trend of like flowers and non-human faces. And which is not a bad thing when I say there's a trend, but I, I love the Four Humors book cover. It's so uh, beautiful, yeah. And it really suits um, my narrator's issues. I feel like the, the flowers being um, the headaches, yeah. yeah. And I wanna start with this. And I think we've talked about this in the past. Um, this is not your story, obviously. You didn't go to Istanbul after a father's death. This is a different character altogether. Yeah, so it's it's a different character, but there are definitely elements from my life. Um, and I remember when my older sister read it for the first time, she said it really felt like an experience of walking through a fun house, basically, and seeing in every mirror um, characters from our family or stories from our family, but entirely warped and changed. Um, and I feel like a lot of the book does take from parts of my life or things in my life. And then due to the nature of storytelling, they're entirely changed. It could be a single detail about someone's um, forehead that I've taken, or it could be something bigger. Um, like the family secret at the heart of the novel um, is one that is in my family, but one generation above one generation older. And so to make it work with the story, I changed so much, right? But that is kind of the secret at the core of my own family. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I feel like a lot of debut writers, I mean, because it's like your first book, you've spent God knows how long on it, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. you pull from what you know. That's what makes yeah. most debuts so good. Because um, you have that, you have an entire lifetime to pull from. Your second novel, you maybe don't get that chance to pull from so many things. Um, were you always going to write about a Turkish American woman? Did how that come into play? Was this your? Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll stop. Yeah, there. <laughs> um, yeah. I actually, it's funny because when I first started writing fiction, um, I'd come to it from poetry, and mm -hmm. in my very first fiction workshops, which were so incredible, I was reading a lot of Mary Gateskill, Amy Hempel. Um, Dennis Johnson, George Saunders, and I, I really became, I really found a voice in this kind of gently manic uh, female narrator, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I started to write these stories where the characters were always named, always these exact two names, Macy and Annabelle. Mm -hmm. um, no idea where those names came from, but they definitely they didn't have my particular identity and it wasn't a discussion about identity and more and more I I felt like that wasn't I I was not only not telling a story that I found interesting because 
it wasn't talking about this not within me, which is my own identity. Um, but I also, I also realized why I was afraid to write about my own identity because I saw the way it was represented often. Um, I saw the way uh, characters that are from say a hyphenated background, their stories are always just about that or there's so much trauma or it's all about the hardship. And I just wanted it to be, I wanted the identity to be normalized. Um, but still write about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And and this character, yeah, just like the obsession of the four humors, like everything going on from the boyfriends to the grandma, and then just it's it's so like tightly written. I guess what was like the biggest obstacle for you to get over to like make this plot work, to make the character be able to inhabit this entire world that was created? Yeah, yeah. The biggest obstacle, ooh, there were so many. I feel like the obstacles, yeah, they, they, you solve it and then a new obstacle comes along. Um, um, the biggest obstacle I think was uh, kind of reining in my own desire to um, write an entirely different novel, which was, would have been entirely set in the past, right? Um, I, I did so much research for this book and I really enjoyed doing the research. Um, and originally I had a whole nother section in the past that, that follows my narrator's mother um, and kind of the radical leftist politics she, she was involved in at the time. And um, I'm really happy that I cut that ultimately because it's not about her mother and it's not about that time period as much as it is about these two older women, but it was very hard to rein myself in. Yeah, yeah and, and, and building up that, so uh, for podcast listeners out there, Mina and I were part of a event with Tattered Cover, the bookstore I work at um, with two other debut authors, but I remember asking you something similar to this and you also talked about how you had to figure out like you changed the timeline on things. Is that right? Am I mm -hmm. remembering yeah. this wildly? Yeah. Was yeah. that because you decided to like leave out the mom story altogether and you were able to shift like the timeline? Yeah, no, that's so interesting. Of course, I forgot the other obstacle that I had <laughs> there because there's so many obstacles. Yeah, well, I wasn't um, setting you up to talk about it, but it was just like, now I'm, I, I just remembered no, yeah, that. That's, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I'm not sure if, I think that timeline, so the timeline problem was when I had first started writing it um, in this one summer in Turkey, I, at the time when I, when it was first, I was first writing it, I didn't want it to be a specific summer in Turkey. Um, and as a result, there were a few different sort of um, casual everyday um, kind of violent happenings happen, happening in Turkey. Um, some, some smaller scale, some larger scale. Uh, but when I, when I realized, when I realized how it read as a whole novel, having all of those events that were really happening in different years over a five year period happen in the same novel, it didn't make sense. I wanted it to be more um, realistically a specific year. Um, so I had to pick the year and I picked a year that 
seemingly was calmer, but it was it was right after Gezi Park protest and right before um, Erdogan became president. Um, and yeah, so the biggest thing I had to take out of the novel as a result of putting it in 2014 was um, uh, the airport attack that had happened in Istanbul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I bring this all up because I feel the feedback I get from a lot of Day Beautiful listeners are like people who are writing and not yet published. Um, and, and I feel they like these insights. And my follow-up question, I guess, is how much of this novel is, how much of it changed from your original conception, like what you thought the novel was going to be about? Because clearly a lot changed yeah. because it has to. Yeah, so much changed, so much changed. And I'm really grateful that it changed. And um, I'm really grateful that I wasn't stubbornly wed to a version of it, to the first draft I had ever written or the second or the third draft. Um, I, I feel like there's so much joy in editing because you see the novel for the first time or as, as well as you can see it as the writer itself. Like when you print it out and read it for the first time, um, you can really see what the story you're telling is actually saying and what is unnecessary. Um, so yeah, this, this book definitely changed multiple, multiple times. Um, I actually hadn't, I hadn't even created the character of um, Rafika, the, the other older woman until maybe like draft three. So in a way like the, the secret that is at the heart of the novel um, and what becomes Sibal's main goal to bring these two women together uh, was not even created when I first wrote the novel. Yeah, well, that's wild. And then in this novel, so it's out now. Uh, I can't even remember if this was before we started talking or right when we actually started recording. You mentioned <laughs> Turkish-American readers like have read it now. What's been the feedback? Like what, what have they pulled out that maybe you didn't think readers would pull out from, from your book? Yeah, um, the feedback, especially from them has been um, really, really incredible. And also um, a few people have mentioned how many, how many difficult emotions it has brought up in them and how many buried emotions and like guilts and shames that it has brought up and um, I'm sorry about that, but I'm also, <laughs> I'm also, yeah, really heartened by that because I feel like there is a lot about um, so many diaspora experiences, but in particular with Turkish Americans, there's a lot that you experience as an American looking at Turkey, which um, has a pretty difficult history, um, especially as an aggressor and as kind of a country that doesn't always teach uh, the right history to people who are Turkish. Um, and so that exact, that has been difficult for me growing up where you, um, you hear about Turkish history as it was taught to your parents and has, as it has been taught to so many Turks. And then you read um, so many different things about Turkey and you're just constantly looking for the truth. Um, and then it hurts, right? And then also you might be like being accused of genocide yourself at like a high school party when you're 
in the ninth grade by an asshole guy. So I feel like that those are kind of the experiences you have growing up. And so I was hearing from other Turkish Americans that the things that I mentioned in the book that are pretty, I feel like I tried to make them subtle sort of because um, like so many Turks, I am afraid of insulting Turkey, even though I think it must be insulted. It's, it's a crime in the penal code of the Turkish penal code to insult Turkishness. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, that, that definitely, I went on a rant here, but that definitely no, no. has been heartwarming to hear, to hear other Turkish Americans, especially, um, young women say that a lot of the book, they felt so seen for the first time. So that means a lot to me. And I, I want, I want to shift from like your Turkish American community to another community. I know, um, like the, the writing community and like what you get from writers. I know you're friends with like Jean Kuhn Fraser, who I have interviewed in the yeah. past. What do you look for in like a writing community uh, or like writing part, not partners, but um, you know, reading partners and figuring things out. What, what, what do you look for when you're looking for people who you trust with your work before it's publishable? Wow. That's such an amazing question. Um, I, I definitely, I look for people who are honest and for people who um, don't think of writing and reading as any kind of chore. It's it's a way to communicate um, and in sharing work, like you see that in them. Um, if if say you're in a writing group and, and one of your friends hasn't been able to read your piece or someone else's piece, it's not, it's not, um, it's not a chore that they haven't been able to, or even when they do. Um, and then I also definitely look for writers who are taking themselves seriously and are taking their work seriously, but also can have fun with the writing and ha can have fun with other writers talking about writing. Um, I think that is one of the most important things, yeah. Yeah. The fun. <laughs> yeah, no, fun is important. Uh, that's like the whole point of life. We got to have fun some way. Um, exactly. <laughs> when, when you write, are you always writing with the idea of like publication down the road or are there just like experiments where you're like, you know, this will never be published or even seen by people? What, what's your like writing habits like? Oh man, definitely the sec the latter. My, my the notes app on my phone is the most chaotic place. Um, <laughs> it's it's a combination graveyard supermarket kind of the notes app. It's like there's some terrible things that we'll never see the light of day. There's some fun things that are going on, and then there's just like an uh, unofficial diary where it's just like three words about something I felt and then I forget about it um but yeah my writing process is very um um if I if I have a project that I'm working on currently I will tap into that almost every day um and and often a lot of things that go on in my mind uh or will kind of be about that and so the notes app is sort of serving that exact project um but otherwise again with, with with if there is a specific project I will end up working on it for maybe 
a whole day and then I can't do it for like three days and then I'll do it for like three full days and then I don't do it for three weeks so it's it's very chaotic <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- those like terrible things that will never see the light of day why write them is it just you have to get it out or is there yeah, more to yeah, it I think it's just yeah. yeah it's getting it out it's like an exorcism almost yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome and, and then going back to like the chaos of writing how long did four, uh, four humors take from um, start to publication I think it took I think it took ultimately like with starts and stops three, three years, including like a lot of editing. Um, but the primary, like the original um, first draft, I think took like five months or six months. I, I'm not forgetting now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at this point it doesn't matter. It's out. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I can't remember if you and I talked about this or I talked about this with, with it could have been with Rachel Yoder. How close to publication were you tinkering with things? Oh my God, so close. I was, I, poor, oh my God, the production team, I feel so bad for them. I was being, I was being a bit of a monster near the end, just like still having changes, like tiny changes. Um, I think in the last proofreading change, in the last proofreading round, I still had like 25 changes and they were just tiny words, like an uh to a the, they were so unnecessary. And I, 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 every time I sent these things, I, was be, I would be like, it's okay if you can't make them at this time, but if you can, here's the list. <laughs> and then there was one, yeah, there was one that I really, really was stuck on, which was whether to use the word boobs or breasts in referring to one of the grandmas in, in one of the grandma sections, it's about the grandma's boobs, but my narrator is still saying it. So would she say boobs or breasts? And so that was a last minute change. Yeah, I think I remember on your Instagram, like there was like, when yeah. I, it was close to your pub day, you had like the photo of it with like the editing of that specific yeah. phrase. Yeah. And I was like, and yeah. I couldn't remember what it was when I actually had read, I but, know, you know, I read I the galley can't for, I remember either, which is, that's the funny thing about those go, small yeah. changes. Yeah, that, and that, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about writing. Um, cool. Yeah. And we'll wrap up with, I mean, you talked about reading's not a chore. It's like, it's just part of something, right? It's part of mm-hmm. your day. What, uh, what have you been reading or what do you want to read or what can you recommend to Day Beautiful listeners? Um, I just read this amazing novel and it is a debut novel. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's called Magma. It's by an Icelandic woman. Um, so good. I ripped through it. It was very, um, it was very sad actually. Um, but it's one of those narrators who she tricks you almost in the reading experience. She tricks you into thinking that the situation is not as dire as as it is, even though you can see that it is. So I think that's really masterful storytelling. Um, and what else am I about to read? Um, I'm about to read Walking on the Ceiling by Aisha Savash, who's um, a Turkish writer who I really love. Um, her debut, uh, sorry, that's White on White. Her debut Walking on the Ceiling is amazing, but her second novel, White on White, I'm about to read. Um, and I just read Win Me Something by Kyle Lucia Wu, which I really, really love. Where can we find you on the internet? Because I love that you have to say your Instagram uh, yeah. handle. So my Instagram is Little Butta. Um, 
Is that and anything? Yeah. Is that so like for fun? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's like Lil Butter, really. Um, yeah. because my friend nicknamed me Lil Butter in college because um I really love to eat and uh he always yeah. accused me of cheating when I was cooking because I added so much butter. Well that's you need butter when you cook. You need butter. I put it like yeah. I'm supposed to. Um, all right, Little yeah. Butter is your Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, website. Where should we find name, you? Last name. Yeah, Mina Sechkin. Yeah. I want to thank Mina Sechkin, aka Little Butter, for being the last Day Beautiful podcast of 2021. It has been another weird year. I want to thank you all for sticking with us, sticking with reading, sticking with discovering debut authors, doing everything. You can find Day Beautiful on the internet at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful. <laughs>